How is it going, guys? Welcome back to episode two of the Dunk and One podcast. Of course, we had episode one start on Monday, or was it Sunday? Today is Wednesday, Wednesday recording this, so yeah, Monday was the official launch slash relaunch of the podcast. Of course, short little recap, we took a little bit of a break from not just another basketball show, and came back a little bit bigger, a little bit better than last time, and now we're known as the Dunk and One. So, like I mentioned in Monday's episode, the plan for the next couple of weeks is, I suppose, to give a recap, or what I'd like to do is to give a recap of each team's season, each team's situation, start looking at what potential matchups are going to be in the playoffs and in the play-ins. Um, even as of last night, it was confirmed that the Charlotte Hornets were officially in the play in the playing, and I know there's a few others that like mathematically can get out or get in and stuff like that. But do you know it's the the headlines, the storylines, the information is all coming ticking fast now. We're at, we're at that time of the season now where you know the regular season winding down, the playoffs are going to start coming. But like even at that, we have so much going on between the Lakers and their injury worries and their playing worries. Then you have a East, you're looking at like the Brooklyn's wondering like, is James Harden going to be back by next week's playoffs? And how are they going to look with such a short amount of time played between the big three? And, you know, it's, it's really a great time to be a basketball fan. And look, that's, that's like what I said. I wanted to, um, I thought it was a great time to come back. And I think there's so much for me to talk about now specifically for the next two weeks so you know stay tuned for more information for more episodes coming soon and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be one hell of a ride so like i teased in monday's episode or like i mentioned in monday's episode um for better words today i'm going to be starting my season recaps starting with the eastern conference so today's episode will comprise of the 15 teams in the eastern conference starting from the worst record at the moment, which is the Detroit Pistons, all the way up to the number one seed, Philadelphia 76ers. I'll be giving a little recap of what their season has comprised of, um, their highlights, their lowlights, big changes on the roster, if so applies to them, um, which actually for an awful lot of these teams it does. Um, and I suppose just kind of, in my own opinion, give where the team goes from here, different changes, different... Um, stuff they can do to maybe raise the ceiling of their team and what path to to greatness each team could be on um this in both this off season and in the next two or three years so just before we get into that a reminder to wherever you're listening to this podcast rate out of five subscribe follow um episode one was uploaded to youtube as well like i mentioned video Still waiting on the green screen to come, um, so I can give kind of a better, um, a better viewing experience, um, for that. So we're probably not too far away from that now, um. So at the moment on YouTube, it's just a static image of, <laughs> of the Duncan One logo and a basketball, and you know, I suppose just to get into that, to one get into that habit, and two just so I have a a library of content there rather than in two or three episodes time starting on episode five and wondering in a few months time or a few years time where was the first four episodes so 
Of course, you know, you'll find that over on Carl of Clubs, Carl with a K, Clubs with a K on YouTube. And yeah, wherever you listen to this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, whatever you need to do, wherever you're listening. And yeah, let's hop right into it. So starting with the Detroit Pistons sitting at rock bottom in the Eastern Conference um, at the moment, at the time of recording, they are sitting at 20 wins, 50 losses with two games remaining in their season. Um look boy you look you look at that record and obviously no one wants to be rock bottom of their conference <laughs> not including teams that want to tank but essentially that's what this season was for the Detroit Pistons of course they traded away under Andre, Andre Drummond in last season um just before the trade deadline they offloaded Blake Griffin in the buyout market this year they traded off Derek Rose Bruce Brown and of course in the free agency last year signing Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley and stuff to big contracts but to look at what the Detroit Pistons would have expected out of the season they've kind of done what they set out to do you know they've had they had a solid group of rookies starting this season between Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart and then picking up Saban Lee on a two-way during the during the year and you know other than Killian Hayes I'd argue that the three others have had significant playing time they've both they've all played really well when called upon especially um Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is I don't want to kind of speak um, out of the tour, and I haven't quite finished my t- my teams just yet. But like, I mean, he, he, I'm gonna have him selected as in the all rookie teams, whether he makes first or second begs to be seen. Um, but I think he's had a he's had a great season. You know, like he's been shooting the tree with ease. He's a solid defender. When he has the ball in his hand, he can shoot off the dribble. Um, like I mean, he's he is the real deal and. I think they have a good one there in Sadiq Bay, and that's as well as Isaiah Stewart really coming into his own now in the last um I'd say since the All-Star break he started looking good, getting double doubles nearly game in, game out, and he's he's looking aggressive on the boards, aggressive in the post, and I mean like that's they're good good building blocks, especially I mean if you if you look at the Pistons free agency last year, you know, won the the big criticisms was that they signed a lot of big men, of course, signing Okafor and and Plumley, and that was as well as still having Blake Griffin there, select um picking up Isaiah Stewart then in the draft. And look, I think having them guys around Isaiah Stewart is good for his development, and he can develop in a in a number of different areas with them guys there. So I think he has a bright future ahead. But I think when you look at where Detroit were in the draft last year, they had the seventh, their own pick was the seventh pick, and they selected Killian Hayes with that pick. But you could argue that maybe they could have went in a different direction if they were looking for a ball handling guard. Why didn't they go and pick up someone like a Tyrese Halliburton or Cole Anthony that end up falling in 12th and, fi- oh, and 15th, respectively? Um, but I think, I think he's had kind of an unfortunate season as well, obviously. Taurus hip flex or broke his hip or something earlier in the year and you know I think in, in a grand total he's only played 28 games this season so you know there's still bright sparks there and even this the small amount of time that he would have got with Derrick Rose 
you know, Derek Rose had agreed to come off the bench earlier in the season with Detroit to allow Hayes to develop as a as a starting point guard. So I think he has he's had some good development there as well. And fingers crossed for him and the Pistons if they can bring in a solid backup vet next year to to help carry him that bit further. I think that would be very beneficial for both him and the team's long term success. Um do you know, like if you if you look ahead to next year, they're they're gonna be falling obviously within the the fourteen percent um chance of landing the number one pick. They'd be wanting the hope that they at least fall within the top four, of course, with the biggest prospects being Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, John Kaminga. Um, you know, there's plenty of rookies there that are gonna fall between maybe the first and the fifth or sixth spot. So I think with 14% odds, the chance of them falling significantly is quite low. They will fall within um, the top five or six anyways. Um, but yeah, like I think, like I said, as far as bad seasons goes, uh, bad season goes, um, they've had a good one. And and actually, yeah, I'm, actually, I'm only looking at my notes here. That's actually completely forgetting even without picking up Dennis Smith Jr. and that Derrick Rose trade. You know, they, they definitely do have good ones there, and even Hami Diallo in that Svima Kyluk trade. So, you know, these these do have a bright future, and I think if they can they can just settle down and focus on the development of the core players there, don't be rushing into anything. I, I definitely do think that there's there's a bright future ahead in Detroit, and Detroit bas- basketball might be back pretty soon. Who knows? Um... So yeah, moving up to the 14th seed out east is the Cleveland Cavaliers sitting at 21 wins, 48 losses at the time of recording. Um, They're actually currently tied with the Orlando Magic in 13th, but we'll come to them soon. So for Cleveland, I honestly, at the start of the season, I suppose before a ball was even thrown, um, this is where I would have projected them to be. I think they have some good players there and like so Darius Garland um obviously picked Isaac Okoro in the draft, Colin Sexton, um and then even acquiring Jared Allen um throughout the season. I think they have a good good future ahead. They have a nice young core. You're gonna be hearing that an awful <laughs> there's um there's a teaser for the rest of the episode and even the next episode. A nice young core is <laughs> gonna be the buzzword bit buzz term. Um but I do. I, I definitely do think they have a they have a good core there. But then at the start of the season, you you see Darius Garland and Colin Sexton really get it going. They obviously they got their nickname in Sexland for the backcourt there, and they really look to be getting it together. They're getting some some high scoring wins, and they're surprisingly for a small backcourt and a team that doesn't really have an awful lot of great defenders. They they were they're clamping up, and I. I even recall them beating um the Brooklyn Nets in overtime and it just it kind of hit you that like whoa like these are these are the real deal but you know between injuries to um both Sexton and Garland and then Kevin Love being up and down for most of the season Isaac Coro missed a little stint of games and then obviously with Andre Drummond being there for a while and him sitting out it's I suppose there's been an awful lot of moving pieces in Cleveland this season but again, similar to Detroit, this is where they would have wanted to be at this stage. We have any young core there. Like, I mean, they have a, a three-year player now in Sexton, two-year in Garland, and one year with Isaac Okoro. 
they don't want to rush into things you know there's plenty of good prospects and i think prospects that can change your franchise's trajectory in this draft this upcoming draft so i think where cleveland sit at the moment is good you know let let the backcourt figure it out find isaac okoro's minutes and you know let him develop alongside those guys i think the next step they do need to take though is to let kevin love go whether that's through a trade if anybody wants to take him or maybe explore the buyout market in next season's um closer to next season's buyout market um because i I just think he doesn't want to be there and it's clear that he doesn't want to be there we've had so many examples of that in the last two years but also he, he doesn't match up with the with the timeline you know he wants to be playing for a winner and it's clear that Cleveland isn't going to be there for a few years. They're going to develop their young guys patiently. Um, you know, so I, I, I do think they need to start asking questions about what this team's long-term future looks like. And even in the short to medium term as well, what can they do to, to further aid the development of their star players there, their, their young players there and to just get onto that trajectory as soon as they can. Um, and you know, looking at looking here, like they've they've had some positives, obviously picking up Isaac Okoro. I thought he was a great pick in last year's draft, and in he has shown flashes of what he can be. You know, he's he's a tenacious defender. He's he's a pretty good scorer of the ball. Um, has good court vision, good court awareness. Um, I think he's a smart player for his age as well. But I mean, like between him, like I said, the two other guys, um. In sex land, Jared Allen, I thought was a great pickup. Um, during the James Harden trade, picking up Torian Prince in that transaction as well. Lamar Stevens was a completely unexpected one, of course, being signed to a couple of ten days, then a two way, and now find himself a fully guaranteed contract for the rest of the season at least. Actually, I think it might have been a multi year, so fair play to him. And now, long term they could look at this season as being maybe a negative one for letting Kevin Porter Jr. go for was it one for one second round pick or maybe two second round picks and I know there was kind of those issues around that it was his off court stuff and it was the way he came back and reacted at the the general manager and the the coach at the time and stuff but I think at the end of the day that probably could have been a better way to rectify that situation at the time and keep only your second year player like he was a lottery pick in in the 2019 draft and you know he was he was that for a reason i think there was actually people at the time that probably would have said that he went lower than he should have and you know it's clear to see from his time in the g league this year and when he has gotten moments with the houston rockets like he, he went for 50 points he 50 point double double um already this year and he's on, he's only 20 or 21 you know so i mean he has a bright future ahead of him and for what they gave up just to get him off the books and get him out of the locker room i i definitely think it could have been handled in a better way by the cavaliers for the sake of their future um so i think they could be looking at that as maybe a little bit of a negative this season other than that i think they've had like i said they had a hot streak at the start they slowed down and between injuries and inconsistencies with the lineup they they kind of main they slowed down and fell to where the preseason approximations would have put them anyways um 
but that's not to say if they can answer some of the questions surrounding the short to medium term with this roster and to put their young stars in situations where they can further the development and develop together essentially um i think these could have a a good future together and a good future with the cleveland cavaliers and now moving on to who was tied with cleveland cavaliers for the same record it's the orlando magic um with 21 wins and 48 losses now orlando has had an interesting and unfortunate season but i think where they are now at the moment they won't be looking at it too um too gloom and gloomily gloomily unfortunately whatever way you want to put it the orlando magic they've of course with their two young stars in um markel fultz and john isaac john isaac getting himself hurt in the bubble last year and him you know sitting out the season recovering from surgery and then markel fultz getting hurt early on the year it's the ceiling didn't look too good. And I mean, like, I, I still even thought that they're probably in a development stage. Anyways, we've we've said about the Orlando Magic for the last few years that it almost felt like they were in limbo, you know, fighting for an eight seed, getting bounced in the first round, and then still only qualifying for maybe the the 16th, 17th pick in the draft. And at the end of the day, that's that's not gonna develop your team further than it is. It's I know they still, they've had young players there and the likes of Mo Bamba and, and even, like like I said, they've had Mark Fultz now for a few years and John Isaac since 2017. But having players like Evan Fournier there, Nikola Vucevic, that are getting you just far enough to make the playoffs, it was, it was keeping them in limbo and their long-term success was in jeopardy. So, of course, with them two players out, they decided to trade trade their stars um so of course nikola vucevic shipped off to chicago for wendell carter otto porter and two future first round picks um evan fournier found himself in boston for two second round picks aaron gordon went to denver and they got in return rj hampton as um the most notable piece in that transaction and i mean between when you look at after getting now Wendell Carter, who's only a three-year player, um, still a great potential for him going forward. They have Mo Bamba, who, as of late, he's starting to get he's starting to get minutes, and you're really starting to see the hard work he's been putting in off the court. Um, Cole Anthony, who's the rookie pick this year, Markel Fultz, John Isaac, come back from injury, RJ Hampton, who of course got shipped in the Aaron Gordon trade, and. I mean, they have a young core there, and I think Orlando would be my pick out of most of these teams that I'm going to talk about, at least in today's episode. These are ones that I have a close eye on, and I mean, I do have an attachment to Orlando. I, I really do. I've, I suppose in my time as a basketball fan and becoming almost a basketball historian, I've just I've really loved seeing the Orlando Magic story, of course, um, having Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway in the 90s and not quite getting over the hump and losing Shaquille O'Neal after five years. And then you look at, even more so recently, the whole Dwight Howard saga and stuff like that. So I've really, I have liked the Orlando Magic and I really want to see them be successful. And 
just get over the hump. Do you know they've had two finals appearances in their in their history, and I think if this group develops right and if they stay healthy within the next few years, for the most part, I think they really do have a chance of being successful. And you know, fingers crossed in where they stand at the moment, they can get a high draft pick in next year's lottery and hopefully find someone like a a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Green or whatever they need just to really get that core going. And I think in the next three, four or five years, you're going to see that core really develop into something special as well as picking up other players along the way. Um, Other than that, I mean, that's what this season pretty much has been. It's It's been injuries, it's been trades, it's been just letting that rookie core be who they want to be. And actually, that's that's actually completely not even mentioned Chuma Okike, who actually I really like. Of course, he was um he was drafted out of Auburn last year and didn't play, and now this year is essentially his his rookie year. Um yeah, like these these really do have a have a great young core. A nice young core. There you go. That's uh you can pop that tree on the counter now. Um yeah, like these these really do have a bright future. And like I said, that's if they can stay healthy and if Mark Helfeld and John Isaac come back and just start developing at that rate that they already were before their injuries. So moving on to the twelfth seed now, and that's the Toronto Raptors at twenty seven and forty two. Look, it's it's such a surprise to be saying um, it's well, it's a surprise. And it's not. I mean, if you look at the roster, it's 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 not very hard to imagine. Not very hard to kind of accept that they weren't good enough to make the playoffs or the play-ins, and that's okay. I think they haven't had they haven't been in this situation since the 2012-2013 season. Um. And I mean, they achieved what they did out of that rebuild. They had players there. They let them come in, develop. Kyle Lowry has obviously been there for an awfully long time now. Um, but I mean, like picking up players like Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam along the way, they, of, of course, acquired Kawhi Leonard a few years ago and they won their championship. And, you know, when, you're, when your star player leaves after that, it's you know you're not going to, come back and be a champion especially not when you didn't when you didn't replace him um so it probably was the right time for the raptors to to hit the rebuild but saying that i'm still surprised that if this is where they are like at the moment you have kyle Lowry sitting out games and he's probably you now sitting for the rest of the season and you had that awkward encounter last week with Nick Nurse and the press being asked about why he's sitting games and whose decision was that and stuff. And I mean, there's a point to be made of that. It's if they're sitting him now, why didn't they just let him go at the trade deadline? I mean, maybe it's a que- maybe it's a case of Miami or Philly weren't willing to give up what they wanted. And I know there was talk of the Lakers not giving up um, Horton Tucker and stuff, but you're now sitting a 36-year-old point guard that's probably not going to, like, I'd imagine with Kyle Lowry, he's not going to, he's going to kind of have a massive fall-off either next season or the, the year after, definitely the year after, if not next year. Um, It just would have made more sense to to get rid of him and let Malachi Flynn 
start from the trade deadline and I mean they have other young pieces there with the likes of OG and Anobi and stuff. It's it's just it's really surprising. Um but aside from that, they, they've had some pretty bright moments this year. Um of course Freddie Van Fleet, he's really stepped up this year and he's had a lot of high scoring nights and Chris Boucher was in contention for most improved. Um OG Ananobi, of course, has really shown his defensive prowess and his shooting has has improved even more so than it had last year. Um Pascal Siakam, it's becoming a little bit more clearer now that he's not the start of he's not the star of that team and you know I I don't know I almost felt like an unfortunate series of events earlier in the season I think they I felt like they had like three or four games in a row where Siakam had the ball in his hands with the shot clock running out in the fourth quarter and he'd do a stupid spin move in the post and and hit either hit an air ball or bounce off the rim or he wouldn't even get a shot up before the but before the clock has expired and it was unfortunate for him because I know social media was on his back and he probably didn't feel too good about that situation afterwards. But at the same time, if you're if you're gonna be the star of your team, you need to have stepped up bigger in that situation. And if you don't think you're gonna make it and then hit over to someone else you know there was there's other people on that team that can make them shots and you know maybe it's just a case of that's not who he's meant to be he's not meant to be the leader of this team and you know that that's going to be figured out in the next couple of seasons anyways of what this team's long-term direction is but i think at the moment or at least in my opinion anyways i i don't know where the raptors go from here because unlike the teams i've mentioned before this their their potential doesn't jump off the page like I like OG Ananobi and you know Malachi Flynn has has played quite well this season and Van Fleet isn't that old and Boucher isn't that old and same as Siakam but even if you get rid of Lowry that leaves them in a position where like Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam can probably get you to be competing for that eight seed every season. Um, obviously not accounting for injuries. And do you know if if Flynn develops the way we we expect him to, and same with Ananobi, you have to you have to wonder, are they just gonna fall into the same situation as what Orlando has been in for the last few years, where they're, they're fighting for an eight seed and ultimately getting bounced in the first round, but not having a high enough draft pick to actually develop your team and to find a, a young star that's going to raise your ceiling. And I know what happens. Of course, you know, we've seen even in recent years, like some Michael Porter Jr. falling to the Denver Nuggets, even though had they made the playoff, there was like the 14 to 15 pick, you know, so we know it can happen. Um, That's not to say it can't, it can't but... I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of questions around this Raptors team long term and I, I don't really know where they go from this. Especially when Lowry's still on the books. They've they've got rid of some of their older stars and the likes of um actually I'm I'm not even mentioning Gary Trent Jr. That's that's my apologies. Um of course Gary Trent's gonna be gonna be among these guys as well, but 
again, I, I, I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's good enough to, to raise their ceiling past any more than an eight or seven seed in its current form. So, yeah, I, I definitely do think there's, there's some questions there, and time will tell. Time will tell. And moving on, we have the Chicago Bulls sitting in the 11th seed on 29 and 40. Three games left, but they're three games behind the Washington Wizards at the moment. So I think we could pretty much say that they won't be making the play-ins. And of course, we, we joked about that on Monday, that um, mathematically they weren't out, but we, we kind of knew that they weren't going to make it. Um. Chicago have had an interesting season. Um, they were 16 and 18 before the All-Star weekend. They were 19 and 24 to trade deadline. And I mean, if you like 19 and 24 at the trade deadline, they're 29 and 40 now. Like, so you're talking what 10, 10 and 16 since the trade deadline, 10 and 16 with Vucevic. <laughs> We had kind of mentioned it in Monday's episode that I won't speak on it for too much, but they didn't do the Vucevic trade to excel them into the playoffs this season, and for this to be the only season that that trade will mean something. Um, Zach Levine's heading into a contract year next year, and I think the Vucevic trade was a sign of intention from the board to Zach Levine to say like we are willing to put, we are trying to get pieces around you, and we are trying to build for your success and for the team's success in in these next few years so i think it's it's interesting to see how how they develop um throughout next season and if the chicago bulls go out and actually get the right pieces to put around them in free agency like if you look at their backcourt situation they're of course playing zach levine at the two um but i mean like most nights they're playing Tomas Sadaransky, a point guard, or if he's not there, they're playing Kobe White, and Kobe White's not point guard. He doesn't have that natural playmaking ability. He doesn't have the floor general um, swagger to him. He's he is a shooting guard, and I mean we've seen that now with Zach Levine being out. He's playing so much better at the two, and it's, it's clear that that's a more natural position for him, knowing that he doesn't have to be the the primary ball handler and the distributor. Um, on the court, but I don't think Thomas that Thomas Sadarensky is is that point guard either. Um, I'm not too aware of what the free agent class is looking of looking like this summer. Um, but I mean, if I was if I, if I was the front office there, I'd be I'd be looking to get a better point guard to put alongside those players and. Of course, you have Patrick Williams there, who was a draft pick this year, and I think he he has had a great season. He's he's shown at moments how good of a defender he can be, and having him there at the three or four, depending on depending on which lineup you're going with, I think he's a solid player to have in that mix. And of course, now there's questions going into the off season whether Laurie Markinen is going to be a bull. I'd imagine with Chicago. They won't want Laurie to walk for nothing. Um, whether they try moving in a sign and trade in the off season, because of course he'll be a restricted free agent. Um, I like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not very high on Laurie Markkinen, so I, I can't even really see where he'll be next season. Um, like where he'll fit. I just, I just don't think he fits 
any team's timeline. I don't, I don't see why you'd want Laurie Markin and sign him for 15, 20, 25 million of what he'd be looking for. I, why you, I don't know. I don't know where to go with him. Um, but I think Chicago, they've had, they've had a good season. They've, they've finally got Zach Levine to an all-star level. They've, a lot of their young guys have developed and, the trades that they done ultimately if they're not looking right now they they have been good trades and even to someone like troy brown jr who i wouldn't have thought would have been a great trade with the chicago bulls he's he's looked good he's played his role well and you know i think heading into the off season the next season they have some things to figure out but i think they will i think they'll ultimately get over the hump they have a lot of talent there as young and old and yeah, I, I do think they will figure it out in the end. It's at the end of the day, it's the Chicago Bulls. They're not a in recent years they haven't been too successful, but I think they have the talent there, they have the reputation there that they can do something and ultimately we will see the success story of of this core group in the next couple of years. So now we officially move into the playing teams. Well, yeah, let's say officially a playing teams with the Washington Wizards at the 10th seed, currently sitting at 32 and 37. And of course, the Wizards, they've really made an impressive effort and run to get to this point. It's it's unbelievable just to look at where they were at the start of the season to where they are now and and just think that they could have gotten to this point. Like I mean on the fifteenth on, on the twenty-ninth of January. They were sitting at three and twelve when they lost to Atlanta, and then even if you go a little bit further to the All Star game, they were fourteen and twenty. And I know they're still a little bit below, um, below five hundred at the moment. That's just kind of the way the East, the Eastern Conference after falling this year. But like, I mean, they've pulled up stretches of 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 great wins, and I mean. It's very hard to think of, let's say, Russell Westbrook and say that his style of play results in winning. He has really done a great job of carrying this Washington Wizards team. And him and Bradley Beal have really gelled unbelievably in these last two or three months. And credit to them, they've they really have got it going. And of course, you know, even in, in the recent few days, Russell Westbrook's after passing a what was once thought of as an unbreakable record, smashing Oscar Robertson's 181 triple doubles and ultimately beating it for himself and getting the 182nd. It's it's incredible, and I mean, so many in the sports world or in the basketball world don't like what Russell Westbrook is about and don't believe that the triple doubles are anything special. But I suppose one of the counter arguments to that is that. They say everyone in the league is getting triple doubles nowadays. It's not as special as it once was, but he's not getting like 15 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, or like he's not getting 10s and 11s. He's having like 25 point, 15 rebound, 14 assists. Like he's, he's smashing these numbers. Like for a point guard, I don't know how many 2020 games he's had. And some of them have been rebounds. You know, it's, it's incredible. Like even last week, he had a he had twenty three rebounds and twenty one assists, or maybe it was vice versa. But 
like what he what he is capable of is, is incredible and I know sometimes he's criticized rightfully so for his first shot IQ and for his lack of clutch shooting and late in games but when it comes to everything else there's no player that plays as hard and as tenacious as Russell Westbrook and ultimately I, I believe that's going to be a credit to their success this season or at least late in this season um and of course that's what I was speaking of Bradley Beals unbelievable score and he's um currently neck and neck with Steph Curry every every game it feels like they're going back and forth by decimal points um of who's ultimately going to come out on top but regardless whether he wins or not he's averaging 31 points and on great shooting as well so I think he's he's definitely been a big part of their success this season as well um other than that their season has been pretty pretty boring pretty dreadful sad <laughs> just to name a few um of course Denny Avdia was the rookie pick in this year's draft and he's done okay um he's done okay when called upon but of course suffered that injury um that sidelined him there a few months ago and he'll probably be sitting there for the rest of the season um Daniel Gafford was arguably the signing of the trade deadline there's there's been no player since the trade deadline that's actually made such an impact to their team more than Daniel Gafford has and just having that true center there who's able to crash the boards and be there to pick up Russell Westbrook alley-oops and playing the pick and roll and stuff it's he, he has been quite good and obviously that defensive present there as well um you know they've had Alex Land there for stints they've had Robin Lopez of course Thomas Bryant got injured early in the year so I think having Daniel Gafford there a, a real true center who's able to adapt to the, the the play around him he's young enough to adapt to that I think he's he's definitely been a great addition for them and he's he can be attributed to the Washington Wizards' success as of late as well. Other than that, I I don't really think there's an awful lot to say about the Wizards. I think at the moment it's it's going to be how they perform in these playing games. So I'd imagine they could do it. Um, my prediction's the way it stands, and actually now that I'm looking at it, it's, other than if anything changes with them, um, the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers positioning um, because they're currently level. I would predict the Wizards and the Hornets as being the teams that make the playoffs. Um, But we'll come come back to that another time. Um, I think there's an awful lot that goes in and out to them conversations, so I definitely will come back to this at another time. Moving on to the ninth seed, Indiana Pacers, who sit at 33 and 36, tied with Charlotte Hornets in the eighth seed. Um, yeah, it's Indiana. We, we know that they're going to be here every year. They're going to be fighting for playing, playoff spots. And I know they have a, they have a good core there in DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, picking up Karis Levert, Karis Levert this season. Um in the James Harden transaction and stuff, I'm getting rid of, I wouldn't call him a locker room cancer, but he was, he was becoming a negative presence, um, for the Indiana Pacers, but Victor Oladipo, of course, being, being moved, um, during trading season. I think Levert has been a great addition, 
he has an awful lot of development left to go, but we have seen stints of it this season already with um, the Indiana Pacers, but also with Brooklyn that he can he can lead the team and he can he has kind of all the tools to be successful um, with this Indiana Pacers team. It's just I have questions about what this team's ceiling is because I think they might be there. I think in this team and in their current state, I believe is as good as it's gonna get. Um, I mean, if you look at this team at the moment, like TJ McConnell has has been playing well, and obviously Sabonis is putting up outstanding numbers. It was an All Star again. Brogdon playing well. Miles Turner was in talks of Defensive Player of the Year up until he got injured and stuff, and Karis Levert. TJ Warren, like then they they also have young guys there with the likes of Cassius Stanley and Kayla Martin, Goga Badazzi. Um but I, I just I don't see how these get any better in their current form. It's and I I don't know what their cap situation is either. But it's it's very I can't imagine the Indiana Pacers in the next two or three years without any significant changes to their roster being any higher than an 11th, 10th, 9th seed fighting for playing games. And maybe that comes down to the coach as well. Obviously, there's been talk in the last couple of weeks about Nate Bjorkren's um, long-term future with the Pacers. And, you know, we've, we've seen with the Atlanta Hawks how literally changing a coach can significantly change how a team plays and how a team is performing out on the on the court so you know maybe it comes down to that maybe it is just a a fresh face sitting on court side and maybe that's what gets them over the home maybe that gets them closer to what their true potential could be maybe sitting in a, a sixth fifth fourth seat this time next year but who knows you know they 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 are a good core there and they are a good side so Maybe they get it going. Maybe they are. I'm not giving them enough credit for for what they've done and where they are in each player's develop individual development as well. But moving on to one of my favorite storylines of the year, the Charlotte Hornets sitting in the eighth seed at 33 and 36. And boy, are these a show! These are a team. Of course, you know, major major story around the Charlotte Hornets is Lamelo Ball and. He was a great pickup for them last year at the third pick, and it's he's he's the rookie of the year in my eyes. I maybe I'll talk about it more next week and um in my award selections, but I think the NBA could look at um the rookie of the year situation this year between Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards as a similar situation to Grant Hill and Chris Webber's co-rookie of the year win back in the 90s. I think these two have performed excellently. I think they've both just came in and got the, hit the ground running immediately. Of course, up until Lamelo's injury, we felt like it was um, a given that he was going to be rookie of the year and stuff. But I think when you take into consideration the time, the time that he was gone, was when we really seen the true development of Anthony Edwards. And I mean he's he's one of only a few rookies to have multiple 40 point games. 
we've seen his impact on the defensive end of the ball and in a team that lacks defense in the Minnesota Timberwolves I I definitely think it's the case to be made there that they could be co-rookies but like I said we'll leave that till next week um, the Charlotte Hornets they've every player from the bottom of the rotation to the top has been outstanding this year from players that I didn't rate very highly from like Cody Zeller um, we've seen Miles Bridges take a massive leap up this season. PJ Washington looking good in the sophomore year. Terry Rozier has been electric. Multiple 40-point games for him too. Um, Gordon Hayward, who was... I questioned Charlotte giving him a max contract at the start of the season, but, I mean, when you look at his importance to that core and how well they play together when he's on the court, he's. <laughs> I think he could be worth every penny that he's, he's getting. <laughs> And I mean, like that's that's without the countless other guys who have come in and out of that lineup dur- during the year. And credit to James Borrego, I I also didn't think he would have been the right guy for this team long term. But you know, they've looked great. They really have. It's it's unbelievable. I think this team is going to be incredible when it comes to the play-ins. And I think it it'd be amazing to see that so early on in the careers of like some Lamella Ball and. PJ Washington having them play in them games, them high what would you even call it? Like high risk, high reward games? Now like the phrase is kinda of escaping me, but it'd be it'd be amazing to see that and I think that kickstart Lamella the Lamella Ball superstar trajectory from year one. It's it'd be truly incredible to see. They've had an ex- excellent season, exceeding all expectations by anybody. Every single player has stepped up, and I just think there's so much room for this core group to grow. They're not even at their ceiling. They're nowhere near their ceiling. And I think with some smart acquisitions and some smart maneuvering from the front office in the next couple of drafts and free agent periods, it's, I don't know, this, this team, this, the sky is the limit in my eyes. Um, and that's moving on to the seventh seed Boston Celtics I'm not too high on the Boston Celtics I think Jason Tatum is a good player not a great player I think Jalen Brown is alright um, together together, I, I, I don't think they're going to work I think, I think they need to be separated um, they're both not willing to give up the ball and to play each other into the game. It seems like they're both wanting to be the leader of the team. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be much compromise when they're both on the court. And we've ultimately seen that this year. Like I I think the experts would have had them in home, a home court advantage, where it's, it's kind of, it's not even a guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs at this stage. And that's looking more and more likely now with obviously, Jalen Brown being out for the season with a broken wrist. I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to eat him alive in the playing game. And then, like I said, I, I reckon... I, I would reckon that Washington would beat the Pacers. But even if it was the Pacers, like... I, I just don't think the Celtics have it together at the moment. Kemba Walker hasn't looked good. Marcus Smart has been positive. Um, Evan Fournier has been up and down since he's been there. Like I said, Jason Tatum's... Good, 
Robert Williams has looked positive and Daniel Tice was positive obviously until he went to Chicago. And I I just don't think that this is it. Um again, don't really know what they changed. They have they have a deep group. Obviously, when you take into account like the Grant Williams, um Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, who they picked up in the draft last year. Um yeah, I I think something needs to change. I think they need to figure out an awful lot, um, both big big picture and in, in their stars, but also what is what is the trajectory of this team? What's the ceiling of this team in the next two or three years? Because, of course, Jason Tatum signed the max deal. I, I feel like Jalen Brown might have as well. And I would imagine that the Celtics would prefer Jason Tatum in a, in a scenario where they're looking to offload one of them, they're going to pick Tatum, but I don't, I don't really know who goes after Jalen Brown um, and what return you're getting for a player like Jalen Brown as well. I, I, I still think the jury is still out on him. Um, but maybe they're, they're both still young. They they can still learn to play off each other and maybe bring each other into the game a little bit more and depend on what else they can bring to the, like the, the front office Danny Ainge can bring to that roster. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think this season has been an underwhelming season. They've had some really low moments throughout the year, and ultimately where they stand at the moment in the seven seeds, they're they're not going to get out of there with three games left. And like I said, I, I think the Charlotte Hornets will will make easy work of them in the first game, and whoever they fall to in the second game, I still think is going to beat them out then as well. Um, so yeah, I I, I think the Boston Celtics do have an awful lot to figure out going forward um and a team a team that doesn't need to figure anything out other than just to keep going and going is the miami Heat. the miami Heat has been they've been excellent um oh no i have them wrote down next on my list but actually they're tied with the new york knicks with the new york knicks fall to the sixth seed i presume that's because of tiebreakers um so we'll actually We'll we'll start with the Knicks, I suppose. Um, again, what I've said, they're actually Jesus, actually a three way tie there between the Heat, the Knicks, and the Hawks. Wow, <laughs> well, that's gonna be interesting. Looking at the, the next few games, what's remaining? Wow. So yeah, starting with the New York Knicks and the six eight. Then, um, again, one of the storylines of the year. See New York basketball being successful again, you know. Obviously, they would have hoped for home court advantage, they could still get there, but regardless, six seed is great. Um, you know, Julius Randle has really, really stepped it up this year, deserve an all star, and I think he may end up being an, an all NBA player as well. Derek Rose has been tremendous off the bench, and he's been great for them rookies on and off the court. I think RJ Barra stepped up tremendously. Tom Thibodeau has just revamped the mentality of that core group. And, you know, it's been seen in the defensive stats. They're they're just an excellent team on the offensive and the defensive end of the court. The funny thing is, is that, like, this is New York basketball back in the playoffs, but this isn't even New York basketball at best. It's This is a young group. I mean, you're talking about quickly and topping are in the first year. RJ is in his second. 
Julius Randle is this on his first All Star year? Like, I mean, like I I feel like the type of player that he is, he could keep developing the next two or three years. Um, but I mean, like they have a max slot, if not two. I actually think they might have a lot of money um coming up in the summer. This like this is a group that could really really grow throughout the standings, and I mean, you you it wouldn't be a surprise to me that if you see them competing for a three third second first seed in the matter of a couple of years in their current form so you know fingers crossed they can they can really just keep going the way they are so now moving on to the miami Heat, sitting in the fifth seed same record 38 and 31 this is a team that they have it all together i like this is a team that was in the nba finals last year and on paper, they've only really made improvements to their roster. Um, of course, they brought in Trevor Ariza and Victor Oladipo. And these are players that can vastly improve their chances during the postseason. They offer so much defensively and offensively. They There's so much versatility to what they do. And when you're looking at, let's say, late in the playoffs, when they're playing the likes of whatever, they come up against Philly, the Nets, Bucks. And if they were to make a trip to the finals and play against whoever comes out of comes out of West, it's they have so much defensive vers- versatility there, versatility, versatility, um, as well as offensive ability. Um, it's it's incredible when you look at their roster how deep they are, but like not even deep in the terms of like they have six or seven really good players, and then after that they're just competent players. These have incredible players all, all, all the way down and this in no no order like they have Duncan Robinson Bam Adebayo Andre Iguodala Prestichulia Kendrick Nunn Jimmy Buller Tyler Hero Goran Dragic Trevor Ariza Dwayne Dedman who again was an, another great addition we've seen the impact that he's had Nemanja Bialica and Victor Oladipo that's crazy like that that is four Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen players. Thirteen players that would kill anybody on the court in in their own way. You know, there's questions over obviously Tyler Hero this season and Kendrick Nunn hasn't looked great. Precious Achilles still a rookie, but these are great players, and that's and that's not even including the the strides we've seen in Casey Ocpala's game this year, Max Struess having some good games, Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent the same. You still have Udonis Haslam in the in the locker room. It's, I think this is a team that's that t- people are sleeping on. They they're looking at the others in the East and especially the top three and thinking that, well, that that's all we really need to be looking for to come out of the East, but. No, I Miami got there last year, and I know it was under different circumstances, but they're a better team this year than they were last year, and I I do think we've seen that this season. If they can keep Jimmy Butler fit, it I think it's game over for the East. I I, I definitely do think you would be looking at Miami Heat in an, at least the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Like he has been incredible. If you're if you're talking about most valuable player to a franchise you have to put Jimmy Butler up there um at one point they were 13 19 with him or maybe this actually including the whole thing they're 13 19 with him 
and 6 and 12 went out because of the leadership he brings the defensive ability that he brings the energy and I mean like this is a player that completely forgot how to shoot a ball and still continues to get better and better as the year go, years go on it's it's outstanding and that's without even speaking to the Bam Adebayo's like massive leap up in offensive ability um we've really seen him getting his bag this year against some of the bigger teams you know he's become a competent if not above average mid-range shooter he's just going to it with ease his defensive versatility has been there in previous years i've seen it just even more so this year and i know that like like i already said like tyler hero has been disappointing this year but I mean, he stepped up in the playoffs last year. I know he had a few moments in the finals where he didn't look great, but this is a player that he's still so young. And I think when he has this playoff experience already, that once it comes to the postseason, he he will be a player that they'd be able to rely on off the bench. And like I said, and that's that's without the other 11 or 12 players that can be called upon as well. I, I, I do think that he have had a great season. And I do think that their season is far from over once the end of this playoff. So I, I definitely think they can go all the way. And now moving on to the fourth seed. Again, tied record 38-31 the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are interesting. I didn't think the Hawks would be here. I think they have a good team. They have a good setup. Um, they've been completely revamped since they got Nate McMillan. In on court side, but yeah, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about the Atlanta Hawks in the fourth seed, um, with only three games left. But they've really looked good. Um, again, this is another another team that has a really deep roster, and of course, we we've spoken about them in the in last year's off season. They had a really good free agency class. Um, they of course signed Onyeka and Kongu out of the draft and we've seen the development of Trey Young and John Collins more this year Clint Capella has been absolutely incredible I'm giving him a nod for all NBA and all defense defensive teams this year I, I really think what he's done in Atlanta has been nothing short of incredible and again another player to leave Houston and really really come into his own um but like looking at the other players, and especially since All Star break, like Chris Dunn. Now Chris Dunn hasn't. We'll come back to Chris Dunn, but like Danilo Gallinari has really found found a shooting form again, something that we didn't see at the start of the year. Um, Solomon Hill, although his impact doesn't show up in the box score, he's been absolutely outstanding when called upon on the court. Tony Snell again has been another one of them players that. When called upon, has been great defensively. I actually think he's hitting a couple of game winners, and I'm that's, I'm saying a couple. I remember one in my head, but I feel like that might have been a second. And I still think there might be questions around the likes of the youngsters in uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, Bruno Fernando, but what they have, maybe from their starting five, maybe the seven, eight deep. Um, I think they've been they've been a good side. Um. It's just really a question now of do they stay fit? And yeah, I was actually right. Chris Dunn has only played four games this year. I'm so glad I didn't <laughs> talk myself into that one. Um, 
no, I, I, I think they, they, they can get it going and. Whether they have a deep playoff, it really depends on what their matchup ends up being. Like, um, if you look at the standings the way they are at the moment, they're the fourth seed. They can fall as far as the sixth, so which means like they're either coming up against the Knicks, the Heat, or the Bucks. And I think any of them teams are making easy work at them, so they're probably no more than a fourth round out. But they've they've had a good season, and like I said, Nate McMillan has. Has done great work with them, um, and he can be credited for their success since his hiring. Um, Trey Young has become a lot more smarter on the court. Um, of course, we talked about on Monday his his change in, I suppose, the way he approaches the game. He's not really getting to the line as much as he was early in the season, and opting to bring his teammates more into the game. I think one of the things I didn't mention in that episode was that, like, if you bring your mind back to earlier in the season, those talks of John Collins leaving the Hawks and seeking a max contract elsewhere because of him and Trey Young having a bust up in the locker room after a loss and saying that he's just interested in his own individual performance and he's not bringing the, the, the team into the game enough as a floor general. But I definitely think you've seen you've seen that change in attitude and in performance and Trey Young as of late. And again, it's, is another key component to the Atlanta Hawks success, at least since, since the all-star break and ultimately has led them to this position. But moving into the last three, starting with the Milwaukee Bucks in the third seed, 44 and 25. The Bucks out of books they made a great decision in going after drew holiday um and yeah you could argue that the the package that they gave up to acquire him was too much but at the end of the day they need to do what was right for the franchise and what was needed to make yana sign the max deal which he did do you know similar to what i said about zach levine and Vucevic, the front office in Milwaukee had to show a sign of intention to Giannis that we are interested in building around you, we are interested in winning, we are interested in your future and we want to put the right pieces around you and I think, although maybe it was an overpay, maybe I don't know, it can be argued, but what they gave up for Drew showed Giannis that, yeah, like stay we are willing, we're in this with you 100%, we'll back you in this. And it's been great. It really has been great. Like, I mean, we've seen, we've seen a slight dip in numbers. Um, in, and I mean slight in Giannis's, um statistics this year. But I mean, you're talking, you have three all-star caliber players in him, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. The three of them have been excellent on the offensive end of the court and the defensive end we know that Drew Holiday is one of the best on ball defenders in the whole league I mean and that's coming from the players mouths like I mean Kevin Durant has talked about that in the past Um, I think Drew oh, I think Giannis actually joked about it um, saying that at least he wouldn't need to put up being guarded by Drew Holiday anymore and, um, <laughs> during the season 
it's he's an incredible defender, but you don't really see how good of a an offensive player he is because an awful lot of what you see in Drew is defensive. But I mean, like he can be a, a 20 point scorer if he wants to be. And we have seen that stint and we can see how how deep his bag is and how competent of a scorer he is, how competent of a shooter he is. He he has a lot of weapons. Um that's as well as his playmaking ability. We've already mentioned his defensive ability and I think the way the books have performed this season, we've seen down moments, we've seen up moments, we've seen different lineups and different kind of different ways that the books have conducted their business. Um on the court, we've seen massive minute um minute improvements um, by my by Coach Bud. And I don't I like I don't know how high I am on on the books at the moment, but I definitely do think they have a better roster and a better system overall now than they did last year and the year before. And a lot of that can come down to Drew and just giving Giannis the extra support that he needs. Because, I mean, you see Chris Middleton go cold in the last couple of seasons' um, playoffs. So maybe this is just somebody else just to lighten the load on Giannis and when teams are building a wall to stop him getting into the paint well he can deflect to somebody else and maybe that's just going to take a little bit more i suppose defensive effort by other teams that maybe they have to slip up on Giannis a couple of times who knows but i i definitely think they've had a great season um they've had the most points per game this season as a team bobby Portis leads three point percentage they've won the their season series against 76ers and the nets who of course sit to, in the two seeds above them so who knows i they have had an excellent season but we've seen that so many times with the books having excellent regular seasons and just falling up slipping up in the postseason so let's see Do you know i'm i'm happy to to still be a little bit complacent and a little bit have question marks over their long-term success. But let's see. They, they've put everything in place to have success. So let's see where they go with it. But now looking at the second seed, who of course is the three-headed monster in the Brooklyn Nets. I didn't think I'd be asking questions about how these are going to perform um, heading into the postseason. But it just shows that nothing you can take nothing for granted. Um, like injuries has been this team's biggest problem. Um, Kyrie Irving has missed seventeen games with injury. Kevin Durant has missed thirty-seven. James Harden now missing twenty-one. Um, up until last twenty-one, including last night. And I think I could be wrong on the exact figure, but I know. Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon were talking on the mismatch the other day, and I think this says that the big three have played a grand total of 182 minutes together. Like 182 minutes isn't is, is not a big stretch of time at all. That's that's no more than three or four full games. That's no more than a series, like a, a four or five game series. Um, and I mean. That's even without taking into account that we might even see James Harden back 
for the start of the playoffs. It's, it's hard to kind of read into what his current situation is at the moment. Um, whether he is fit, whether he's still struggling, whether he's just sitting out. Because he's been gone for so long and there's been so many questions over how like he's meant to be coming back and then he has another setback. But whether that's the Brooklyn Nets just trying to keep him sitting until the playoffs to ensure his fitness and now just focusing on Kevin Durant coming back and getting back to full fitness. Who knows? But it's this season is going to hurt them. Um, but I don't think anybody is expecting them to come in and win a title in the first season, even with the three, the three monsters. Um, so who knows? This season could be just a learning curve and we could see them back at full strength next year. Um, other than that, they're, they have had a good season. Um, I mean, for such a top-heavy team, we've seen Nicholas Claxton have his breakout season, and we've we've seen his defensive versatility, defending one through five, being able to switch out on, on guys on the perimeter, sw- like defending the post. He's, he has quick full speed for a 6'11 center. Um, and I mean, at times you've seen him carry the ball up the court as well. He's... He does seem to have guard-like skills as well, and combined with his athleticism as well, he he has been an, an excellent defender and an excellent piece for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, of course, you know what you're going to get from Joe Harris with with three point. I think at one stage he was nearly gone for a 50, 50 point from the field and fifty uh, or fifty percent from the field and fifty percent from three. Um, he has dropped off ever so slightly. Um. And then, of course, they picked up Bruce Brown early on in the season, and he's been great. He's been really keeping them going. He's been a really valuable role player there for them um, in all aspects of on the court. Um, of course, there was so much talk around their their movements in the buyout market, of course, getting Blake Griffin, um, who has been a good addition. He's, at the end of the day, you're not getting... Lob City All-Star Blake Griffin, you're getting a Blake Griffin that's going to come off the bench, give you maybe 15-20 minutes, but still offer you enough on the on the offensive end of the court that will make teams maybe sag off of someone like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or whoever is on the court with Blake Griffin at that time, and I know the few games that we did see, it was most of the time, I think it was James Harden really with the second unit, so maybe if you're looking at James Harden being out on the court with with Blake Griffin, it, it does make defenses just think it, and maybe it's just a second thought on what their main assignment is, and having to give James Harden an, an extra little bit of space just to make sure you're not leaving Blake Griffin in uh, in too much space to get to the basket. But yeah, I I I think the the ceiling for this team in this postseason really comes down to overall fitness and how well they can gel together in the first series um but again nobody was expecting these to come come in and win a title immediately so it's really it's this season and this postseason just to gel and get a bit of time together and see how they they turn out next year when they're a lot healthier and a lot more time together i mean if you remember the boston celtics back in oe um that team had a season together before they won a title. Um, the Heels were the same. 
So, you know, these things take time. So, so they'll be hoping that this year, at worst, it's just a bit of time to develop together and get a bit of time together. And then last but not least, it's the first seed, the number one seed out east, one of the best teams in basketball, Philadelphia 76ers, sitting at 47-22, and 22, actually currently the third best record in the whole NBA. Yeah, the 76ers, these, these have been great. Um, injuries have hurt Joel Embiid. For a good bit, even now looking at the the injury report, he's out with illness. Um, but I think an awful lot of an awful lot of these injuries now and illnesses are just to keep star players fit now heading into the postseason. Um, they have pretty much the number one seed on lock. If looking at it now, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much secured. Boston, Brooklyn are gonna climb to take that off them. So I mean, they these have a, had a great season. They really have. Um, you have MVP candidate Joel Embiid. He he still could have been in a strong contention if it wasn't for the injury. But I mean, he's averaged twenty nine, eleven, and three on sixty three percent true shooting this season. Um, Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybulle have been in Defensive Player of the Year conversations. Danny Green has been locking up players. Um, Tobias Harris had a huge upsurge in um offensive output this year and of course was nearly making an all-star team it's these are another deep team another team that's really going to cause people problems in the post in the postseason um Dwight Howard has been great off the bench Shake Milton Tyrese Maxey a good rookie this year developing quite well Seth Curry was another one of them players um nearly going for 50 50% from the field and 50% from three yeah, like this this is a great side and again it's it's still another one of them teams that are so young that these could have two or three years as a core group together before they even have any sort of drop off. Um of course that's that's without changing some of the role players, of course. Danny Green's getting up there in age, Seth Curry's nearly over, um thirty years of age and stuff like that. But when you look at just the just the course group of stars there it's there's so much room to improve and i think with this team it all comes down to fitness we've seen ben simmons be injured for large stints joel and Bate has always suffered with his fitness and his and his health but when healthy they really have figured it out and this year is testament to that um it's it's an interesting one I think that this is another team that you could watch for in the postseason. Um, again, it really comes down to matchups, which we'll talk about better next week when we have a clearer picture of what that will be. Um, different paths to the finals, but the seventy sixes they're they're in a great spot, and I definitely think that they they are one to watch now heading into the playoffs. Well, guys, that's all from me for today. Of course, like I've already mentioned, thanks so much for listening in. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, whatever you need to do. Um, this podcast will also be uploaded on Carl of Clubs, my YouTube channel, Carl with a K, Clubs with a K. Um, no video just yet, but the library will be also found there. And yeah, tune back in on Friday um, for the Western Conference recap. 
and let me know if you have any questions or feedback. Have a nice day, guys. <laughs>